You're listening to Workplace Perspective, an employment law podcast raising the bar at workplaces everywhere. Workplace Perspective is a regular podcast series for employers and employees focusing on education, training, and the law to help organizations of all sizes develop and maintain successful workplace relationships. The opinions expressed by guests on Workplace Perspective are their own and should not be considered legal advice. And now, here's your host, Teresa McQueen. Thank you, James, and welcome everyone to Workplace Perspective, where we are striving to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. October marks the start of National Disability Employment Awareness Month. In continuing to honor this year's theme, Advancing Access and Equity, we're dedicating today's episode to highlighting the competitive advantages inherent in hiring those with disabilities. On today's episode, we're talking with Farrakh Vermeulen, about his research into disability as a source of competitive advantage. It's gonna be a great show, don't go away. We'll be right back. Workplace Perspective has a new website. Visit us at www.workplaceperspective.com. Check out our new look, including our featured guests and archive sections. Share us with your friends and colleagues to help us continue to raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back to our listeners and welcome to Workplace Perspective, Farik Vermeulen. Farik, before we get started, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you, uh, who you are and what you do? Okay, thank you. Uh, well, I'm Farik Vermeulen or whatever way you want to pronounce it. Uh, and I'm originally from the Netherlands, uh, but I, uh, I moved to London and I'm a professor at the London Business School. Officially, I'm a professor of uh, strategy and entrepreneurship. Well, you've done some research into the competitive advantage that companies can have when they are inclusive with regards to hiring disabled employees. I want to talk a little bit about that in sort of broad, in the sort of a broad context. If you have some research into the subject, let's talk a little bit about why that's important. Maybe a few common misperceptions that employers have when it comes to being inclusive of disabled workers in the workplace. Yeah, so I said I'm a professor of strategy. So actually, I do more research on competitive advantage than I do on uh, on inclusivity or actually uh, diversity and these type of issues. Um, and if you say, why is it important? Well, first of all, if it's, of course, important for people with a disability, because actually people with a disability often find it hard to find employment. Uh, for example, in the United Kingdom of uh, people of an employment age, an employable age, uh, more than 80% uh, every year of those people is employed for people without disabilities. For people with a disability, it's uh, it's barely 50%. So actually, people with a disability struggle to find employment. So for people themselves, obviously, it's uh, it's important. However, and that was somewhat accidental, and that's why I said I'm, as a professor of strategy, I usually look into competitive advantage rather than diversity. It was somewhat coincidental that I sort of stumbled upon the fact that those companies that did choose to employ people with disabilities, and usually out of social reasons, they wanted to do some good in the world, often ended up having a real competitive advantage as a result of this. And this really got me interested. Uh, so uh, you may do... Uh, reasons, uh, uh, do it for reasons because you want to do some good in the world, but you actually end up profiting uh, from it. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But diversity does kind of play into it, right? Because if I remember your research correctly, companies, when it comes to being inclusive, tend to focus on gender and race, the broader aspects. Yep. And 
those with disabilities don't tend to come to the fore quite as often. It's, is that sort of what you found with your research? Yes, that's definitely true. That's not necessarily something I looked into explicitly with uh, research, but I did discover that along the way. And there's a lot of talk in the United Kingdom, in the Netherlands and in the US and so on, of course, about diversity issues and why that is important. And as you rightly say, um, there's no companies, uh, uh, there's no shortage of companies or institutions or CEOs who want to talk about diversity in their workforce in terms of ethnicity or uh, and gender and so on. We found companies a lot less responsive when we wanted to talk about diversity in terms of people with disabilities. Uh, so that observation is definitely true. I do think, and I certainly hope, <laughs> also as a little bit as a result of our research, that it will change in the future. Uh, also, again, because we found that it can really lead to some material benefits uh, to employ people with a disability. Yeah, that's. I, I'm anxious to hear about that. Let's give it a little scope. Sort of, what were the types of companies that you talked to? How many? Big, small, U.S., European? Can you tell us a little bit about the background? Yeah, given that uh, myself and my co-author are both uh, based in uh, in Europe and particularly at the London Business School, so a lot of them were European. Although, for instance, we also visited companies, uh, for instance, in Colombia or so, and some of them are multinational. Um, so we ended up um, uh, really visiting uh, and talking to a lot of employees and, and executives uh, in about two dozen companies. But we also, as a follow-up, did quite a lot of quantitative research, uh, including surveys, but also lab experiments and so on. So basically the conjectures that we developed by uh, visiting companies, uh, most of them we were also able to test very rigorously in a quantitative sense. What does that look like? Well, for instance, uh, uh, to give just one example, uh, th there can be an advantage actually in terms of that customers really like it. And so customers, as we already know, they uh, value a product and they're willing to pay for a product or service. But what customers often also value is not just what the product is, but also how it has been produced uh, and including by whom. And for example, we ran experiments, actually a series of experiments, where each time we had 200 respondents, and we also, of course, had a proper control group with 200 respondents, where we would indeed offer them products. Uh, and these were products, a necklace, a backpack, a coffee mug, and these type of things. Uh, and then we provided some background of the company that made it. And of course, this was a bit of a simulation, but the only thing that was different in the control group and the treatment group is, for instance, that the company making the backpack, for example, uh, would employ people with uh, disabilities or not. And then we measured people's attitude, so customers' attitude towards that company, uh, how much they liked the company, how much they uh, they wanted to do well, uh, how much they trusted the company, and also their willingness to pay. And we discovered, and not entirely uh, to our surprise, because we had witnessed it in other companies already, uh, we discovered that uh, that uh, people hold much more positive attitudes to companies that employ people with disabilities. And that further down the line also translates actually in the willingness to pay for the product. Wow. Even if the product was at a, at a premium price, did you find that? Yeah, so uh, to test it, we actually had kept everything constant, as you do in a genuine academic experiment or like you would do with medicine as well. And we kept everything the same, except this one thing, and that one thing was the company employs people with disability. Oh, okay. But given that down the line, it was, by the way, not as simple that they say, oh, this company produ uh, produces uh, this coffee mug and then employs people with disability, therefore I'm willing to pay more. It wasn't as simple as that. 
it was as simple that they say, I trust this company a lot more. I feel good by buying them from it. I uh, hope it will do well. I'm inclined to do repeat purchases. And that down the line would indeed translate in people willing to pay more for it. So indeed, they were willing to pay a premium for the product uh, down the line because of how it was produced and particularly by whom. Wow, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. All right. I agree, but I'm glad you think so. (laughs) I do think so. I think our listeners will as well. Um, We're going to take a quick break. uh, So stay with us. We'll be right back. Take a step toward bringing our country and community together. Start a meaningful conversation at lovehasnolabels.com slash one small step. A message from StoryCorps, Love Has No Labels, and the Ad Council. If you enjoyed today's show, do this. Share us. Like us. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. It means a lot to us, and it ensures more people tune in and raise the bar at workplaces everywhere. Welcome back, everyone. In honor of National Disability Employment Awareness Month, we are talking with Farik Vermeulen about the inherent value of employing people uh, with disabilities. So let's talk about some of those advantages. You've done some research and did a great job of explaining a little bit about the parameters of the research, but let's get into the details. What did you find with regards to this competitive advantage? Yeah, so we spoke already a little bit about customers and that customers appreciated how a product is made and by whom, and that therefore companies discovered that employing people with disabilities uh, actually uh, became part of their broader value proposition to customers. But the thing that probably surprised me most uh, and that probably most companies that we spoke to picked out as the biggest effect of employing people with a disability was actually about organizational culture. Um, we found in various case studies that people spontaneously started to talk about how it had improved culture within their organization and particularly made it much more uh, cooperative, uh, made it much more psychologically safe, as uh, we would say nowadays. And then there also we ran a survey. We managed to run a survey with about 60 companies uh, that had recently started employing people with disability. Nine out of 10 of the HR Uh, directors in those companies, and that is not a figure of speech, it really was 9 out of 10, or to be precise, 88% um, of these HR executives said that uh, since they started employing people with disabilities, the culture of their organization had improved significantly. Uh, And as I said, that is what surprised me most, but also what most executives and CEOs we spoke to picked out as the one main benefit uh, that they saw of uh, employing people with disabilities. That's really interesting. Can you tell us sort of the range of disabilities um, that, you know, that you were seeing employers beginning to hire? Yeah, that was actually very, very diverse because one of the benefits, for instance, that we started looking at immediately is that sometimes a disability can prove to be an advantage dependent on the job. And sometimes um, special needs comes with special abilities. And and many people, for instance, know the example of people with autism. Uh, And we spoke, for instance, uh, to executives in the company Auticon, uh, which, for instance, does coding, but also cybersecurity and so on. And people with autism can be very patient, very meticulous and very good at picking out patterns in data, for instance. Now, that's a fairly well-known one, but we saw a whole range of other things. It's best to give an example of a company that we visited in Colombia. Uh, a shopping mall or multiple shopping malls called Gran Estacion. And uh, there, for example, uh, many of uh, the security guards uh, sit in a wheelchair. Uh, and they sit in a wheelchair 
uh, um, originally because uh, the, the the founders of Grana Station wanted to do some good and employ these people. But they figured out that, for example, people in a wheelchair, security guards in a wheelchair, were much better at solving a big problem in the shopping malls, namely pickpocketing. And that was, for instance, simply their eye level. They were much better at spotting pickpockets. They were also in the mall much better at chasing them uh, because in a wheelchair, they were a lot quicker than the pickpocketers uh, who were running away. And they had superior upper body strength. So actually, they rolled out that concept to all their their malls uh, to much success. But they have, we saw their various other ones. For instance, they have uh, had deaf people working in lift shafts or elevator shafts because it was so noisy there, uh, and therefore they employed deaf people. Uh, we also saw, for example, uh, we interviewed people in the customer relations department because people in customer relations were often people with disabilities. For instance, in, uh, remember a lady in a wheelchair, and she said, well, most of the people who want to see someone in customer relations are angry because something has gone wrong and they say, I want to see a customer service agent. And she said, well, as soon as they see me come in, uh, they calm down uh, and it's much easier to have conversations with them. They're not so angry anymore and we are able to resolve it amicably. We saw a whole range of uh, of disabilities uh, from autism to wheelchairs uh, to deaf people. We also saw a wonderful company um, uh, that in, in Spain uh, that employ people with Down syndrome uh, making ads because they say they have unbounded creativity called La Carlota, La Casa de Carlota. Uh, and actually the uh, illustrations in the Harvard Business Review article that we published on this topic are actually done by people with disabilities in La Casa de Carlota. So it's really a huge range of disabilities in the sense that it's about the fit between the, do- the job and the person's disability. And that can be pretty much anything. That's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's so, it really is a tribute to thinking outside of the box and thinking about the benefits that these people bring to, you know, everybody brings something unique to the workplace. Yeah, actually, even the term disability becomes a misnomer because it's just people who are different. And in certain types of jobs, that difference can actually become an advantage. And then you really can't talk about a disability anymore. Uh, Again, it's about the fit between the job and the individual and his or her disability. But you can't call it a disadvantage anymore. In many cases, it actually becomes an advantage. I agree. That's a fabulous way to look at it. It really is a great way to look at it. Um, I was in a training yesterday and there was someone in the training was a diversity training and the person had a hearing impairment and it said that, you know, since grade school had been put in the special needs category and struggled their whole life to get out of that mold, um, both from an outward perception and their own perception of themselves, how they saw themselves in the world with this hearing disability, which was, you know, corrected with hearing aids, but once had been labeled, had a very hard time getting out of that. So, for example, in the company Auticon that I mentioned earlier, where they, uh, for instance, employ a lot of people uh, with autism uh, to check code and, and in cybersecurity and so on, uh, they employed uh, several people uh, with a PhD in physics uh, who were working as pizza couriers uh, because uh, they, were, they were excellent uh, in physics and in, uh, and in checking code and so on, but they weren't so good at job interviews because autism doesn't help with that. 
But of course, uh, they were excellent at their job. It's also the way we look at people and, and also how we recruit them and how we interview them. Uh, in this case, uh, the company Auticon was very happy uh, um, uh, with these people and that they were working as pizza couriers because uh, that was an untapped source of uh, um, employees uh, for them. That's great. I absolutely love that. I love it. Well, as we wrap up today's show, do you have any words of wisdom or thoughts for the future in, in regards to this topic? That's a lot to ask from a professor, but uh, but uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll do. I'll pretend some wisdom or I'll hope for it at uh, best. So um, I do think it's uh, employing people with disability is a worthy social cause, and there's nothing wrong with, of course, wanting to do some good in the world. But what we found, again, with lots of examples, but also lots of quantitative research, is that it's uh, also not just about doing good; it's about doing well. Uh, you actually financially benefit from that at the end of the day. Uh, and if you're not interested in doing any good in the world, but you are interested in making money, uh, then it's still a good idea to employ people with disabilities. And that's as, as much wisdom as I can offer uh, at this hour. Well, I really appreciate it very much. Thank you so much for joining us and being on the show and talking about your research. Uh, it was of much value. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for inviting me. You can learn more about Farake by visiting his website at farakevermulen.com. That's F-R-E-E-K-V-E-R-M-E-U-L-E-N.com. You can also connect via our website at workplaceperspective.com. I want to also thank our listeners, my radio angels, James and the Nave at Night, and Workplace Perspective's team extraordinaire, our engineer and producer, Paul Roberts, our associate producer, Melissa DeLacy, with music provided by the very talented Stephen Versaloni. Thank you all for joining us on Workplace Perspective. And until next time, keep raising the bar.